So, I got some feedback that somebody was getting tired of our intro podcast music. So, I would like to dedicate this new podcast intro song entitled Russian Folk Vo Sadu Li to said person. You know who you are, buddy? This one goes out to you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the One Link Podcast. I am Brad, and I'm joined by James. How's it going, James? I am doing great today. Absolutely great. How are you? Good. Good. Back to be, good to be back in the uh, One Link Studios here. I'm Zach's been hogging all the One Link Studio time here, so I'm back in the uh, closet doing That's my right. thing. So. <laughs> so you'll sound extra smooth today. Yeah, hopefully it's the echo is uh, taken care of. I got all these boxes around me now. There you go. uh, Yeah, I'm excited for today's topic. Someone that my family read uh, the biography of a few years ago and were really impacted, moved by his life. So why don't you introduce our topic for today? Yeah, so today uh, the topic is the death of God's smuggler. And we say that, so we're going to talk about about Brother Andrew, as he was known, and uh, he wrote a book, or a book was written about him, co-wrote a book called God's Smuggler. And uh, it kind of jumped back up on my radar. I, I definitely read his book as an adult, but it jumped back on my radar because he passed away in September of 2022. Recently, kind of made some headlines. Yeah, faith, <clears throat> faithful, faithful brother in Christ and someone I think we could learn from, particularly in this area of having faith. Yeah, he absolutely. That's kind of one of the hallmark things, but not just of him, but of several of the old timers that I have a lot of respect for. It was that that hallmark of faith and what they did, I think, in order to increase or grow their faith. You know, just a, a quick background on him. He was born uh, in the Netherlands. He was a good Dutch, good Dutchman and had this upbringing his family were godly people but he was you know he was i won't say he was wild as a child but he had zero interest in religion he wanted adventure he wanted excitement uh, and he would actually sneak out of the service at the back and go play and then try to come back in just in time when the service ended and then he'd stand back by the preacher and you know try to gather gather things that the preacher you know people would say the preacher hey great i love the way you you know talked about whatever whatever and then over the family meal, he could, you know, throw in a few tidbits. So hopefully no one would know he had skipped out on church. And so <laughs> kind of a, yeah. not, not the way you'd expect a, uh, a great missionary to begin growing up. Right. Right. But you know what? The Lord seems to like to use the wild ones like this. Like he gets a hold of them. And, you know, you can think about Lottie Moon and some of these people that were similarly kind of wild childs and God got mm-hmm. a hold of them and redirected that energy and the craftiness towards the gospel. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So Andrew wound up joining the army. He goes there. They get sent. Uh, this would have been in. It been the 50s, right? I yeah, it had been in the 50s, um, maybe slightly or earlier late than 40s. that. Yeah, it's 50s. So, yeah. So during World War II, the Germans occupy them. He's like a young, you know, He's probably like our early 12, 13, somewhere in that that age. And so just a few years after that, he joins um, and he's he's sent off to a Dutch colony that's in rebellion and okay. and he winds up uh, he winds up participating in this massacre 
you know, they've been like in the jungle a couple of weeks, been in firefights, you know, everything's on edge and something happens. They come into this village and something happens and they just, they just go nuts and they just kill everyone. And he like, he's not a believer and he just has this, I think he's just filled with this like absolute regret and bitterness and uh, heartache and guilt and shame. Maybe bitterness isn't the right word, but guilt and shame. And so he just goes even wilder. He starts wearing like this bright yellow straw hat in combat. And and really it's he's like, he's like, I want to get shot. Like that's like from his his viewpoint, like the, the thing that could put me the most out of my misery is if somebody shoots me and I die and it's over. You know, and he he's drinking wild, he's partying wild, just seemingly crazy, right? Yeah, I think they're in Indonesia, if I remember yeah. the story. Right? The, yeah, as the yeah. Indonesians were sort of trying to break free from Dutch uh, colonization mm -hmm. occupation. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. So he winds up getting shot, but he gets shot in the foot, in the ankle, the and hole. so he goes from like. You know, I just want to die, and now he's thinking like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live the rest of my life as a paralyzed, crippled man." You know, and somewhere when his when he had left for the army, a couple of things that played a key role is his mom had given him a Bible, and he was he was wild and he was ready for adventure. But you know, there's some things he still had a lot of love and respect for his parents, and so he had taken the Bible, even not planning to ever read it. But now he found himself laying around couldn't walk, couldn't move well. So he, so he begins reading that. And then there was a special girl. He had really worked the system when he was uh, in his training, you know, and gotten all these families to agree to ride him, uh, a number of families with pretty pretty young women in it. And one of them, a girl named Teal, he had really especially just kind of fallen head over heels. And she was a believer. And so he begins this correspondence with her and ultimately winds up coming to faith between reading the Bible, talking with her, she's encouraging him. He comes to faith and he kind of, I think he, he kind of with that same, I don't know, sense of adventure and sense of going to, like, if he's going to do something, he's going to do it all in. Uh -huh. And so he kind of starts moving that way with his Christianity, even to the point where, where his family is a little bit like, Hey, Andrew, you know, are you taking this a little bit too far? And he's like, he's like, how, you know, no, no, I'm not taking this too far. This is, this is just right. I'm all in. And then he winds up going. So he goes there, he's working for a little while. He and this girl Teal are still, they both, they both like each other. I think they're both interested in each other. I don't know how it looks in the fifties dating in the Netherlands, but uh, he winds up getting interested. He, he's maybe feeling the call overseas, but he, you know, like everything he knows, everything he goes and looks up, it needs like, he needs a seminary, he needs this education. Before he can get a seminary, he's looking at like 12 years. So he finds this seminary that he hears about, and it's in it's in Scotland, I believe. It's non-accredited. The teachers don't get a salary. Uh, it's not affiliated with anybody. It's like this, I don't know what it's like. This is this seminary that's based on faith, but it doesn't have a lot of face, if you want to look at the the Asian view of it. And so his girl that he, that he's madly in love with is like, basically like, Hey, if you have anything to do with them, like you and I are done, but he's feels, feels God's leading there. And so he goes to this school and some of my favorite, like when I think about, he has all these awesome stories later, but some of my favorite stories are about the way he's shaped. I think all happen around this school. Um, I don't know about you, but it's like a, a hallmark part 
in his story for me. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember what was it about the school that, uh, you know, his, cause I think it was maybe his family was a little weirded out by him going there. What was the issue with the, the girlfriend and all that? Well, part of it, I think it was, it was not accredited. So it wasn't with, uh, I forget if he was like Dutch reformed church mm-hmm. or like, it wasn't, you know, with us would say like, well, it wasn't with any major denomination, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. nobody kind of knows them. They're not. And it's, it was a, from my viewpoint here, it was a very practical school, but from them, it was like, like, if you're going to go to seminary, then let's go to one where you'll come out and you'll be a respectable person. It's kind of like, I, I knew a person or two that have went to colleges that don't have accreditation. And I'm like, why did you go to a college that didn't have accreditation and get an education degree? Which a friend of ours did. You know, just why why didn't you go to a different one? Well, she, she went there because she felt like that's where God was leading her. And I suppose it worked out for her too. But that's, I think, was kind of the deal with Andrew is why, why go somewhere there's no accreditation. It's not going to help you become a minister here. Uh, yeah. You have, it won't give you any face. That's what I wow. keep coming back to. Wow. You can take the boy out of uh, Asia, but you can't take the Asia out of the boy, James. You, the, <laughs> that's uh, that's you, exactly right. You often think about face and all these sort of uh, Asian qualities. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's true. Um, so he had, you know, he's he's from the Netherlands, speaks Dutch. He learned some Germans when the Germans occupied, but he doesn't speak English. And so he'd found this lady in his town that teaches him English. He goes there. He, he gets an acceptance letter. He's all excited. Then he gets another letter that says, sorry, you're not accepted. Something didn't have an opening. And he kind of just like, he prays about it. He's like, no, I think God says to go. So he just goes. But when he goes, like the day before he goes, his his teacher tells him, she's like, oh, Andrew, I'm like, like listen, I feel bad about this. And even I, I just want to tell you this, like, even though I, I read English and I'm very fluent, like I've never actually heard English spoken. And so he had, he had all this English training, but come to find out, you know, he had no idea how it was actually pronounced. And so he goes there and has this awkward month, two or three before his his learning in English catches up with it with the correct dialect of English, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I just laugh. I'd be like, be like us learning, pick your foreign language. Yeah. And then actually, oh no, that's not actually how you say any of those letters. That'd be rough. Well, it's like all these Greek Greek words or Hebrew words that are reading the Bible and we're probably all butchering them. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. We know how to say our version of them. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, only you get there and all of a sudden... No one knows what you're saying. Um, So at this school, they it's like a school in which the students have to live by faith. They make them do these exercises. It was a very practical school, which is probably part of what I love it. Like it's like a hands-on, you're going to learn. They would have to travel around. There was one summer they'd have to do a project and they'd send uh, four students out and they'd send them out with one pound English currency. And they had to itinerate and preach and hold services and and work for four weeks. And at the end of there, they had to give their pound back. You know, and so it was like, how is God going to provide? How are we going to do this? And they had these great stories. And and he said, you know, there was another, there were some other people who didn't hold fast to some of those rules. And they wound up borrowing a little money here or there and wound up owing people, you know, had to square things up. But that, I think that practicality of like, do you trust God? Is God enough to provide? And for Andrew, it was not only just this 
itinerating for him. He also didn't have the money for the tuition, which was only room and board, but it's like 30 pounds a semester, which I don't know how much a pound is today. But back then it was enough that he, you know, he was a full-time student. And so he kind of made this deal with God at the beginning. He said, all right, God, like, I'm kind of laying this out there. Like if, if I'm, if I ever can't pay tuition because you haven't provided, like I'm going to know, basically like, I want to know the King. If I'm going to serve the King, I want to know that he's real and that he has a, that he knows me and that I can know him. And, and, and so he kind of makes this deal with God and he says, ironically, God took me up on it. And he said, if I'm ever, if I, if I'm ever late on my tuition, I'll still be a Christian and I'll know that, that Christianity has good tenets, but it's not something to like give my life to or all my loyalty. But if it is, then, you know, it's really, really worth serving. And so he says, God honored it. You know, he, he always, sometimes right in the nick of time, had just enough tuition, but he didn't make anything in his deal about always having enough for toothpaste or for laundry soap or <laughs> God putting through some deprivation in some different ways. But I think it was just a really good forming time for him. I'd be, so I'd be interested to engage on this topic a little bit. Okay. I have this theory, maybe give me some feedback. I don't think we've ever talked about this, but there are, you know, in particularly in mission circles, there are people that are going out and this is a a false dichotomy. So just bear with me for a second, but there are people that are much more faith oriented and there are people that are much more wisdom oriented, right? So you think about someone like, like brother Andrew or you know, I think about Hudson Taylor who went out and they didn't even have all the support. They didn't have support fully raised for what they were doing. They're just like, it'll come in eventually. Let's get on the boat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's certainly much to be said about faith. And then there's other people that would kind of try to think of what are some really wise principles biblically. Otherwise, you know, it's why a wise principle we're going to, not that you wouldn't be having faith and trusting God, but when you hit, get to this point, then it's a good time to go or even when you're overseas kind of making plans like, okay, we need the budget this much, this so on and so forth, kind of wise plans versus faith. It seems like some people gravitate more towards the one or the other. You could probably, mm-hmm. I could probably guess where you're at. And you could probably <laughs> guess where I'm at. Uh, have you seen that play out and what, what's your sort of feelings on that subject? Yeah, I've seen that play out. And I think there's, I think, I think God honors both or God can honor both. I think that that there can be there can be pros and cons on both sides. On the side of the wise plan it all out, sometimes that's a, there's a lack of faith. There's like, I will only step out if God puts all these things in my position. On the other hand, you know, sometimes there's some really nice things planned and, and things happen and are executed and prepared for and all of that. So that's good. Um, on the faith side of it, I, I mean, that's still the, that's the direction my heart yearns and, and longs. And I feel like there, there can be naivety to it, naivety to it and a lack of faith and a lack of being prepared. But there's also a thing like if, if God's calling you that way, then go that way. But you have to be willing to trust him to the nth degree. You know, you have to say like, okay, like I'm all in and this is, this is the way I'm going to do it. Because if you don't, like the first time money gets tight, you're going to revert back. You'd be like, oh, man, I wish I'd been a planner. 
because uh -huh. there is there is no faith if you always have 10 grand in the bank right <laughs> yeah so yeah so I don't, I don't know how to i don't know what are you how do you see the two interact together well i you know like you i did a lot of business as missions types things and i had a partner for a while and this was our main challenge mm -hmm. we'd be thinking about let's you know what about this idea let's do this and of course i i was uh I more gravitated towards sort of wise principle orientation mm -hmm. again not I, I tried to have faith and i trusted god but right um to keep the false dichotomy going and you know i would be like well we've seen over time this is what's happening so this isn't working and he would always be like yeah but god can god can sort it out let's just go for it <laughs> so we uh i think we needed each other yeah to be honest with you there was faith in both of us and there was some wisdom in both of us but we kind of held each other in tension so yeah. i think you know i just think about someone like brother andrew he there there were people like that kind of had his orientation that would come out to where we were and it was like everyone was just oh my goodness they're a little bit of a wild card what are they going to do next you never know, mm -hmm. you know especially with the security issues and all that he was mm -hmm. pretty bold so i mm -hmm. think I think you need, it's maybe a little bit of like these sort of spiritual gifts in that realm of God, just mm -hmm. God's kind of wiring people in certain ways, mm -hmm. but they can, each side can have their own struggles, right? You can struggle yeah. that they believe in that God can supernaturally do, and you could struggle to just not, you know, not think about consequences, not think about mm -hmm. what, uh, histor historically wise patterns, things like that. Yeah, or you just don't want to deal with all those details, and so right. you're just like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing faith. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're doing foolishness. Yeah, it is a challenge. I find for myself, for whatever reason, like like business as mission, I was more planned out there than I was in some of the other ministry things. For whatever reason, that there was still some there was still some faith involved there too. But yeah, it's a it's an interesting dichotomy. I think for me, when I think about Americans, I think mostly we don't have enough faith. Would you agree but, on that? Like if we if we if we put it on a false dichotomy as like a scale or a range, which way do you feel like more most Americans are on? Yeah, I, I, do, I do think we would be more towards the let's plan it outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because um, partly God it, says it depends somewhat denominationally. You you and I kind of yeah. run into crowd that is probably more that yeah. way yeah if we that's were probably true pentecostals or something we probably think differently yeah that's probably true but the bible says you know it says has not god chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and so just generally speaking in america you know we're, we're mostly not poor and so we don't uh we don't we have other things to rely fall back on besides our faith oh, yeah. and so Sometimes when you go overseas, you find yourself in situations where you don't have anything else to fall back on, except your faith, which is good. But I feel like, I feel like for for Andrew, for uh, Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, you know, like there's a number of these guys, like they started doing, they started doing things to prepare and train their faith, kind of recognizing of like, hey, I think I need to be better at this because I I know when I get over there. I'm going to need more faith than what I have here, and so they they would prepare, and we'll we'll do a we'll do a podcast on Hudson Taylor 
uh, sometime hopefully coming up soon. So we won't tell any of his stories. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm getting you derailed, James. Uh, you, after my, uh, you know, we had our little, let's give each other some feedback on the <laughs> podcast. And my one feedback to you was my wife keeps telling me not to be long winded. So I'm, I'm getting you, getting you long winded here. That's my fault. I wasn't, I was born long winded. Uh, not, <laughs> not a way to, to fix it. I don't think anyway. So he finishes, he finishes school and he, and he chose to have some opportunities of learning to have faith. And he, I'm going to keep talking about it, Brad. I'm not done. He talks about about the royal way or the king's way, and I, I like that a lot. And some of it, like sometimes, he'd have like provision kind of come in at the last minute, and he's like, "Sure," but then someone else would need it, maybe more, or you know, like he'd feel like God saying, "Like give it," or he'd feel like, "Oh, he like this time he sees like a coin on the ground, like right when he's needing it, you know, so he can mail off his visa paperwork." And this other guy's coming and is asking him for money, you know, and he's like, he like slides his foot over the top of it, you know, while no one's looking. And, and then he's thinking like, wait a minute, like, this isn't the way God would do it. This isn't the way the son of a king does this. Like, I'm the son of a king. God can provide for me and I want to know him that way. And so that gets him started. And so that's some of the stuff I love about him. But what he's famous for, of course, is actually smuggling things behind the Iron Curtain. And the way he got started on that, it was kind of at the end of his time, his his good buddy that had grown up in town with him that had, you know, always always been a quote unquote good Christian kid, uh, wound up going to Korea. And so he was thinking about going to Korea with him. And somewhere, somehow he wound up getting a hold of this youth magazine that was this communist. I don't know if the whole magazine was was communist, but anyway, they had an invitation to this communist youth festival um, somewhere. Was it in Poland, maybe? I think maybe it's yeah, that Poland. sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that starts him going behind the Iron Curtain. What are when you think about his journeys behind the Iron Curtain? What are some of the things that stand out to you? Well, I think the interesting part is again, it's it's uh, not to harp on this whole faith wisdom thing. You know, we here we are. We train these students to have a good STS. You know, to kind of go prepared. And I don't know that it, that was Brother Andrew's <laughs> method. He was just like, Lord, blind these people's eyes so nice. they can't. Mm-hmm. So he'd have a, you know, a car. Now he did do some, not sneaky things, but you know, he'd have it sometimes put away in some little compartment yeah. where yeah. it wasn't totally obvious. So it wasn't, he wasn't trying to, he wasn't testing God. I don't think like, I'm going to put this out, you know, put it on the roof. And so <laughs> I don't see this, but, but there was a lot of, you know, I'm, I'm going to be who I'm going to be and, and I'm going to trust that God will blind eyes, open doors. Uh, it was a very faith oriented way. And so, you know, you certainly admire that. And, and I guess, you know, as the saying goes, the proof is in the pudding, you know, if, if, uh, if he was doing, wasn't doing it the right way, it seemed like the Lord sure really blessed what he was <laughs> doing and, and did open doors and did blind eyes. So you got to point that out when you say this whole faith versus wisdom discussion. So yeah. I, I, yeah, I really just, am amazed how he courage too i i think Mm, mm -hmm. that's something that we uh, you were talking about american christianity i think we're we're also not only planning it out but we're very safety oriented Mm -hmm. and there's some wisdom to that right there's Mm -hmm. you can do stupid things but i think we've maybe fall in the ditch on the other side of being very risk averse and he wasn't risk averse he said i'm this is worth this is something worth uh Mm -hmm. taking some risks for so I, i really admire that about these trips into 
Soviet Union and Czechoslovakia and all the places he went to. Yeah. And he, I mean, he really went all over and he, he was pretty open about what he was doing. <laughs> he did eventually get to where he would start putting a teacher on his visa applications. He'd write teacher instead of missionary because he kept getting denied. And finally he was like, well, I, I teach the word. I teach this. I think I can write a teacher. And so he felt with good conscience and, uh, he had an STS as well. I guess. A, so, yeah, so he had an STS as well. And I'm sure when he, when he got to the border guards, he wasn't like, Hey, by the way, uh -huh. you're smuggling Bibles in, but he did have a lot of faith. And I actually think there was a time or two where he, or he and one of his friends, like just put a, put a Bible out on the front seat. Cause basically they felt so weak in their faith or something like that. They're like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And God's going to either get it through it or not, but they're, but they're, their plan was always, they were always praying, praying, right. praying, 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 praying. One guy would talk to the guards and the other guy would be praying, 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 praying. Yeah. And then when he got behind the Iron Curtain, kind of what a lot of his work seemed to center around is he would connect with Christians back there. And, and he discovered a couple things. One, that a lot of them just felt forgotten. You know, they're right. like, does anybody know? Does anybody remember? Does anybody remember that we're here? Why? And so he would remind him, if you guys are fans of Nick Ripkin, he has a real awesome story about that in Somali, Somalia, before he went there with some Christians and God kind of provided this miraculous way to let them know they weren't forgotten, which we'll tell another day or, or have him on, let him tell. Yeah. Yeah. I think he also went to later in his days, he went to China. So yeah. that, that's also hearing about kind of this era, you know, cultural revolution era that you don't hear a lot about a lot of foreigners popping into China doing much, but yeah. uh, interesting stories there as well. Yeah, I think it was the late late seventies, early eighties, and he did have the advantage, like over you and I, that he wasn't didn't have an American passport. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, any even that, you know, God worked some miracles there. Uh, he had just visited the United States and Taiwan. And then when he went to apply for the China visa, they're like, oh, you, you did it in the wrong order. You should have applied. You should have came here first and got your entry uh -huh. and not. So anyway, God, God got him in there. And then eventually later. Uh, maybe it was life, later. I, that, that'd be post uh, yeah, cultural that was his That was his first trip in. And it would have been after the Cultural Revolution, but just yeah, barely. Yeah. Just as China was beginning to open up. Later in life, he. He uh, worked on smuggling a million Bibles into China all in one night, which is a, another. That would have been a more planned, more. Uh, so we see some of that, some of that with him as well. So I think it's a good balance uh, mm -hmm. going back to that. I think he was a uh, there was a time and a place and God really used him and used him in a lot of different ways. And in a lot of ways, uh, you know, like with Paul, God says to Ananias, this, this man is my chosen instrument you know, to carry my name to the Gentiles. And I think for, for Andrew, the God, he was one of God's chosen instruments uh, to work behind the Iron Curtain. And uh, he got to got to do some really good things. God, God showed him a lot of amazing things. And then he got to testify to, to God, to all the cool things that he got to see God do. Got to encourage believers back there. Got to bring them Bibles. That's right. James, I'd be interested to, to dialogue on this just for a second. You know, one of the things that some people, even using the word smuggler, right? Smuggler mm. is not usually a, a positive Christian <laughs> kind of idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think that title is, is intentionally a bit provocative to yeah. say God smuggler. 
what you know as if i'm listening to this podcast i'm thinking here's this guy he's breaking laws he's sneaking in illegal materials into places you know kind of tiptoeing around things what how can we as christians say this is okay or we're supposed to obey you know uh submit mm-hmm. to governments and obey the law and things like that how can we get wrap our minds around that i think you know our our allegiance is always first to god and something nick ripkin does say like basically no one no country no government can ever make you not tell your faith or stop you from sharing your faith they can only punish you for what you do afterwards and so in some ways as christians like if if what is needed is these bibles to be here on the other side of the Iron Curtain instead of this side of the Iron Curtain. Like our our first foremost responsibility is to God. And I think we have to say like, and I'm willing to pay the cost to do it otherwise. Like if, if what it if what it costs me to do this is my life or prison time or a beating, heaven for help us or death, you know, it's worth it. This is important enough. It's important enough that Christians have Bibles or important enough that, that people are told about Jesus that I'm I'm going to take that risk. And that's that's what I think it is. It's a allegiance to God. It's not, you know, some of those places where there was one time, one border crossing specifically, I remember he gets caught. These guys are like, hey, you've got all these Bibles. Actually, I think it was one of his his teammates. And he's like, oh, man, what do I do? And they're like, you know, on the black market, these things are worth, how, you know, this huge amount of money. You know, like now we're talking like a serious economic crime. And there's this business guy that comes through and he's he basically buys the Bibles from the guards. And he's like, hey, what are you? And he's not even a believer. It's like, hey, how much you take for these? How much to make it go away? And so the guy buys them. Andrew's teammate helps him load him his car and he drives off. And uh, he goes and sells them on the black market. You know, so I think if we were doing that as Christians, we'd have to be like, uh, I don't think that's, I don't think that's probably right. But if we're, if we're taking the word of God in and we're giving it away, there are places in the world that if they have no access to the gospel, unless you do that, unless you're willing to illegally tell them about Christ and 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 be willing to pay the cost. If that's what it costs, it's worth it to me. That's what I think about it, Brad. What about you? Yeah. No, I mean, I, I would agree. I, I think maybe uh, one of the ways I would articulate it is if a human law uh, contradicts God's laws and, and what God has clearly stated in his words, then we have to obey God's laws, you know? Uh, I mean, we and we have, thankfully, we have some examples in scripture of this, you know, when in Acts, when Peter and others are brought in before the Sanhedrin and different authority figures, and they say, stop preaching, all right? You know, Mm -hmm. they they disobey that. They they break those rules, those laws. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Mm -hmm. and Daniel, we we, we can can probably, several people who obeyed, disobeyed authorities because they were setting up a law against God's law. Mm -hmm. So we are commanded to go and make disciples of all nations. We're commanded to preach God's word and, you know, mm-hmm. opposing his, his word, being able to be there, I think is against God's law. So that's another way. Now we do, I think outside of that, we do try to honor authorities and mm-hmm. uh, all that kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just, I think that sure. can be a dilemma for our students. Sometimes they come in and it's like, well, I'm not really supposed to be a missionary. Is this okay? Can I, 
can I say I'm a teacher or a student or whatever? So mm-hmm. sometimes they have to kind of wrap their mind around that. Yeah, they do. And it's not just an issue for students, you know, for long-term workers, you know, that's one of the tensions and, and pulls and, you know, different people walk that line in different ways. And to some extent, I think we have to say, you know, Romans fourteen four says, who are you to judge someone else's servant to his own master? He stands or falls. And that's one of those areas, I think, that we have to have a little grace for one another. And hey, we, we fall a little differently here. We fall a little differently there. Uh-huh. And we we try, when we go places, we try to do things safely. We try to do things securely. But there's times where you say, like, the risk is worth it. And I I need to be obedient. And that's the, the worst risk you could take. The worst thing in the world would be being disobedient to God. Uh-huh. That's a, a huge risk, right? Yeah. Yeah. I listened to this after Brother Andrew passed this year. I listened to it with my kids on an audio book, God Smuggler. Highly recommend it. Age range-wise, my seven-year-old was having a little harder time with it. My nine and 11-year-olds loved it, thought it was awesome. So I would I would really encourage you, uh, God Smuggler. And then he, he wrote a number of books, but then there's a sequel to that called God's Call. And I uh, read both of those. Those were both, both good books, uh, good places to get a hold of them or get a hold of some more information. We similarly did a read aloud three, four years ago on God Smuggler and uh, go get it. It's it's pretty pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. And the thing for our listeners, if if you're going to walk away from this with one thing, I would ask you, it's like, what are you doing to actively grow your faith? What are you doing to rely on God? What are you doing that actively requires your faith to grow? And I think what we do there in the name of honoring God and growing closer to him is going to pay benefits in our lives. This is segue. And you asked me this, you asked me at the beginning of every episode, how are you doing? And I always want to have some real clever answer for that. But today I'm doing like absolutely fantastic. Why am I doing fantastic? I'm glad you asked. Um, so I've been listening. I've been wanting to share my faith more recently and growing in in evangelism and sharing sharing my faith. And so I've been listening to various and sundry things. I've been I went out a couple of times with some campus partners, but I was listening to a a Paul Wester podcast yesterday, and he was saying, you know, like every morning when you get up, pray, God, would you give me a chance to share my faith today? You know, and then some other things. Be looking around. So this morning I needed a haircut, and I'm dropping my kids off at school. And I'm like, God, give me a chance to share my faith today. So I go, I I sit down, get my haircut. Winds up being a lady from the country that I lived in. She had actually, her kids had went to our school for a while. And it's a Christian school. So I just assumed she was a Christian. And so I just asked some more questions that way. And she wound up not being a Christian. And so I got to share my faith with her. Uh, I got to use a little of my language skills. Her English is better than mine. So I we still did it in English. But it was just... It was a great day, and again, is actively, do I believe, if I'm willing to share about God, is God able to put somebody in my path? Am I willing to take that little bit of of emotional, relational risk, you know, and open my mouth? And so, I don't think I gave a great share. It was not, if you're evaluating evangelism strategies, I don't think you'd give it a 10. I don't even know if it'd make it above a (laughs) 5. But God can do whatever he wants with that. And one of the things we're going to have, what we're 
what we're planning on this is we're going to have a series coming up sometime in the near future about evangelism. Like, how do we get better at sharing our faith? I don't know how you feel, Brad. For me, a lot of times I feel better about sharing my faith internationally, more so than uh, here in America. Yeah. Sometimes it's just easier to get in the conversations. Yeah, it is. But whether it's here, there, anywhere we want to be, I just want that to be like the number one thing. If anyone knew one thing about James, I'd like him to know that I, I follow God and would like them to, to also. Um, so tune your ears. That'll be coming sometime down the pipe. Work yeah. on growing your faith. Well, Any final words from you, Brad? I'm hammering well, them. I'm on it. Praise God. Praise God for his work in your life. And yeah, may we all grow in faith. Yeah, absolutely. We appreciate you listeners. We will see you next time. See you next time. <laughs>